Welcome to Talent Management Truths. I'm your host, Lisa Mitchell. I'm a talent management thought partner and results coach, wife, and mom. Talent management leaders are hungry to learn from their peers and want to hear about real-life talent initiatives. This podcast is for and by talent management leaders. My guests and I dig into successes, challenges, and lessons learned from a very practical, not theoretical point of view. You'll discover important insights about how to elevate your confidence and amplify your influence in a role known for being caught in the organizational middle. I'm thrilled to have you listening. So let's get going and hear the truth about talent management today. What's the best way to celebrate a key accomplishment milestone, such as the one-year anniversary of your podcast? Why? With family. My 16-year-old son, Patrick, is the interviewer in this conversation, where he helps me reflect on the challenges and learning I've experienced over the last year while creating 52 weekly episodes of this show, Talent Management Truths. Plus, as a bonus, Patrick shares his views on what it's like being a teenager trying to map out your whole career path at the age of 15, as well as offering some ideas for my YouTube channel. It was so fun doing this with Patrick. He surprised me by going beyond asking a few questions to really offering up more of his own reflections and ideas than I ever expected. This is probably my favorite episode ever. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to Talent Management Truths. I'm your host, Lisa Mitchell, and today I have a very special episode. I'm joined by my son, Patrick. Patrick is 16, and he's here to help me flip the script. So essentially, he's going to interview me today. And why are we doing this? Well, today, when this episode goes live, it's October 5th, 2022. So that's almost exactly a year from our first episode of the podcast, October 6th, 2021. So I want to celebrate 52 episodes. This will be the 53rd. And I thought the best way to do that was with with family and and to to kind of reflect and think about what brought me to podcasting in the first place. So Patrick's going to help me explore that a little bit today. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Hey, happy to be here. So you launched the show Talent Management Truths, about a year ago on October 6th. Congratulations. Thank you. Why did you decide to make a podcast in the first place? Well, well, it was something, you know, I'd been thinking about since I started my business back in about 2017. And it always felt like a bit of a, a longer term goal. I had some friends that podcasted and so on. And it was sort of like, oh, when I get there. Coming through the pandemic, though, I really felt like, okay, this, this is this is making sense to me because essentially the people that I serve, you and I have talked about this, they're talent management leaders. So these are people that work in HR, organizational development, learning and development, employee experience. And that's kind of where I I come from in the corporate world. And because they've got so many people relying on them, I figure if I can support them, because I get it, I've been there, then they're going to have a more exponential positive impact on all of the people they support. So this gives them platform to do that, right? To really help elevate mm-hmm. their visibility, their, you know, their influence, their credibility, you know, and develop their own thought leadership. And I think that's important. You know, 
in in the work that we do, right? To actually be clear about your ideas and and your position on on certain things, certain topics, and how to do certain pieces. So that's why. And you know what? The other thing is, Patrick, I get to meet so many nice people and and expand my network, which is really great. So it gives me a platform as well to be able to do that and to share what I'm offering, what I do, right? So so part of it is around helping educate people. You know that I'm a coach, that I'm a facilitator, that I'm a talent management thought partner and my idea is you know down the road if somebody's listened to an episode or been a guest that if they need one of those services that they might go oh I remember Lisa you know and they'll seek me out assuming that they felt a connection so it gives me kind of like a nice non-pushy non-salesy way to get to know people interesting because it's interactive with your with your clients as well with the people you work with well, that's actually a good point. I, I do have clients come on the show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And some people become clients after becoming after being on the show. Not not always. That's not the, the main point of it. But yeah, it, it works both ways for sure. Interesting. And as you said before, like it allows you to sort of communicate what you do. So it expands your brand a little bit. So listeners can be like, okay, well, this is the person I want to help me with. Or yeah, this person I want, exactly. I, want, I want to help me. Yeah. Awesome. So What's what do you think's been your biggest challenge in making the show happen like week after week cuz it's it's challenging managing all of this. <laughs> it's a lot. I still can't believe I I've, I've got 52 episodes out there. What Remember you and dad got me that microphone boom stand and and, yeah. and podcast course. I mean that was almost 2 years ago and so mm-hmm. wow, time's flown and we've come a long way. Oh, yeah. You know, as far as challenges I think there are three main ones. So number one, and I was talking to my coach about this too last month or something. She's a podcaster as well. And I think number one has been booking the guests. So following up with them, because you don't want to be, you don't want to be pushy or annoying. And yet when I spot someone who looks like they'd be really excellent and have a lot of really interesting wisdom to share, then I, then I want to get them on. So I will follow up. You just, it's tough. They're busy people, right? And a lot of them it's actually a common theme with almost every single person is they sort of go, why are you asking me? You know, they, they, they worry that they don't have enough goodness to share and yet they're all experts in their field. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's quite fascinating. So, you know, so I'm, I'm finding though that people are getting that this is a way to give back to the talent management community. And it is a way to, to develop that thought leadership I was talking about. So I think it helps having, you know, 52 episodes behind me too, right. To entice people to come on. Oh yeah. With a history of a, with a, with a brand history. Absolutely. It's yeah, enough to entice like, really anyone. I'm not brand new anymore, you know? So yeah, you've been here for a while. You're able to. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. Well, so, you know, the other challenge I would say is certain months. So the way we do it is I have a podcast producer who's amazing, Emily and Kelly. Emily's the owner of The Ultimate Creative, so shout out to her. And uh, Kelly works with her, and they're just really exceptional people. There are certain months, though, where I have four episodes that I need to batch and submit, and other months where there are five episodes, and I find those months a bit tough, right? Because I've got I have five ready to go. Because the third challenge is finding enough time, blocking the time to write all the show notes, because I do them myself, because I, I, I don't farm that out at this point anyways, because I really want to be true to the essence of what was discussed. And I figure I was the one in the interview, so I, I want to, to do those. So, And I get good feedback on them. Huh. Interesting. A lot of hurdles. Didn't realize it was this hard to manage podcasting. Yeah. See, that's what I'm doing in the in the room over beside you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just seemed very different from what I've observed before. Oh. Like, like what was it? For school and the meteorites class, they did a little podcasting segment. 
and it just seems very very different like it's just recording and some sound editing but like managing it just it's incredible you don't actually fully realize that like it's it was organizing a proper date where everyone can do it and just preparing for it for it to be you know hour an hour long two hours long depending how what it is oh yeah there's a whole art and science behind it there's a lot of administration because you have to have your intro and your outro and your teaser intro and you know where you're talking about the guest and so there's quite a few moving parts and my assistant colleen who's also amazing she really helps you know get a lot of the stuff uploaded for for the podcast pr- production team to take over and so there's there's a few hands on these things I can, yeah it's uh, yeah it sounds like a holy <laughs> so what would you say has really helped you get all the way to 52, 52 episodes like a year later? What would you say has helped you with that? Well, the first thing I would say is my team, you know, like I've just been talking about them. So the production team, Emily and Calais, Colleen, my virtual assistant. The other thing I think is, is determination. <laughs> my mom, you know, Grandma Jane used to say, well, and, and Papa as well, you know, you sure are one determined person and, and I am. So I think that combined with you know, being organized, trying to be on top of it has, has really helped. Yeah. It's a nice, nice way to pay homage to them. Yeah. Oh, I like you. that. <laughs> so also uh, I figure you've learned some things like along the way of doing all this. Can you tell us some examples of what's the, some of the biggest takeaways? Yeah. So, you know, initially I had some scripted questions and they're ones that I still share with guests in advance. They have an idea of, of, of things we could talk about or questions that I might ask. But I found that the same questions get boring fast. And initially it was, it was more about people's story and their career journeys and stuff. And it's not that their career journeys were boring, but I got, you know, like, okay, I want to pull in more around, you know, more practical stuff that they've done and experiences and opinions. So I ended up switching that up quite a bit. So I still start with people's backgrounds a little bit about their journey, but then I move more quickly into kind of the essence of what they're all about. So we do that in the, you know, we book an hour, but the recording is only about 30, 40 minutes. So it's the first 15, 20 minutes where we're talking about, you know, what we'll cover. So certain topics, any projects that they're passionate about, and I come up with key questions to ask based on what they share with me. And so it's neat because I get I get acquainted with them if I don't already know them. And we map it out in a collaborative way so that it really, you know, it's all about, you know, I want to make sure people have a positive experience and feel like, feel good about what's going out. So that was a, a key learning. I think I've 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 worked hard to get get good at that. And I think it's going well. I I think the other thing I've learned too is, you know, podcasting has really validated my love of, of getting to know interesting people. I'm very, very curious. So I get to scratch that itch, right. By meeting so many people and having meaningful conversations. The other thing too has been that, and I think I already knew this, but this just confirmed it yet again, that paying for support, support, to help me stay accountable to my goals and my goal of podcasting as a weekly show, that's been worth every penny. I mean, it's, you know, initially there could be sticker shock for anybody who's, who's podcasted that may be listening or, or is thinking about it, you know, cause it costs money to have a producer and to have an assistant that helps you. And yet, because I've got that skin in the game, I'm not going to miss the deadlines, right? I've got to get that batch in while people are waiting for it. So I need to deliver it. And if I didn't have that, I was trying to do it all myself. I might be a little more lax. <laughs> yeah, it'd be challenging. Like one, like a one-woman show. Yeah, really like tough. I, I, I don't think I would have been co- as consistent in getting a weekly show out for sure. Interesting. You just get to learn like, I don't know, just so many different elements and 
I don't know how to do things maybe more efficiently as you go. Like, I'm sure that's also been, that's also probably been something you've noticed. Yeah, you're right. Because when I do an interview now, it's more efficient for me to write the show notes right away to, to look at the recording and pick up, find the quotes and sound bites. I don't always get that because that opportunity, sometimes I'm on to, you know, a client meeting or something. So I do find though, the closer I do the show notes to the interview, the more efficient and quicker it goes. Yeah. So there's, that's one example of, of where I've learned to be a little, a little quicker. Hmm. <laughs> Sort of just back to one of your like your early responses where it's like you like to get to know the person, sort of inform them what's going to be going on. I, I I like that because they're not going in blind. They have a sense of what's going out. They have a sense of what they're going to be saying. So that way they're more relaxed. They're not you know panicky, jittery the whole time. They don't know what they're doing. And as you said, they feel good about what's going out, meaning they don't have to feel dreaded of like hear of people hearing their own voice or hearing about this person. They can be like, okay, I'm happy. People get to get to know me. Yeah, like I want them to feel comfortable because it's only when you're comfortable that you can really be at your best, right? And just mm-hmm. and just, you know, kind of find your groove in the conversation. It's it's a dialogue. They don't have to do all the heavy lifting. I mean, I'm contributing too. The other thing too is I would say to guests, look, if you if you fl- you think you flubbed in the middle or you stumble over your words or you said something you didn't like, we'll just stop me and we'll just take we'll just take that part out, you know? It's it's no big deal. So, yeah, that's made a difference. I can imagine. Just over the course of all these episodes, you've interviewed over 40 talent leaders. Holy, how do you keep track of that? From so <laughs> many companies. Patrick. Oh, yeah. From just, but it's just from like a variety of different companies and industries and just overall, just different parts of North America, like Canada, all over the place, like Edmonton, everywhere. So, yeah. because of all that, what would you say? Like, are there any universal truths you've noticed when interviewing just so many people all at once? Yes, indeed. There's a few a few themes that I've that I've noticed. And that's that, you know, I already know that as humans, you know, as a coach, I'm very attuned to this as humans, we all deal with imposter syndrome at times. And I notice it that that imposterism being particularly loud for a lot of talent leaders. They don't truly believe that they have something people will want to hear about. And I want to change this. And this is partly why when people say yes, they'll come on, you know. I get that there's some bravery, there's a bit of vulnerability if they've never been on a podcast before and they're putting their voice out there. And and I also know that it can be one of the best things that they that they do because it helps, you know, when you say something out loud, you know, how you you talk about your experience or or you talk about what, you know, what you've learned, it kind of cements it, it makes it more real and you internalize that learning. So I think it's important for that. The other thing I've noticed too is that we all yearn for connection with other people, especially coming out of the pandemic. I mean, you spent you know, part of grade eight, all of grade nine, online school, right? In your oh, bedroom. And, yeah. And I didn't get to do any in-person classroom facilitation or anything, you know, like meeting clients. Yeah, or three out of whack. It, yeah it's, it, it was really tough. So, you know, it's easy to feel alone in the best of the time, best of times. And then you have the pandemic. So, so the podcast, I find, like I said earlier, gives me a chance to really connect more meaningfully with people. And I find they enjoy that too. And it's, it's really neat, right? Just talking with somebody where you share things in common, you kind of get what the environment is like, even if the company or the industry they work in is very different. Like I get energy from these conversations. And I, I believe based on the feedback that my guests do too, it's nice to be understood. Yeah. It's a mutual meeting point almost. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. A mutual meeting point. That's a good phrase. The other, the other thing too, that I, that I notice that seems to be universal is 
and I don't want this to sound less than humble because I was a talent leader, but I do find that openness and humility and curiosity are real hallmarks of people that tend to be in these roles, right? Because they they genuinely want to serve, want to help people, help people grow. They're very service-oriented and they're very curious. So I think that seems to be a common theme to answer your question. Hmm. Interesting. Because it's like, I don't know, they... They, even if they're so humble and they just, they, they want to help so bad, sometimes that's maybe not what shows or maybe I don't, maybe I don't fully understand it. Well, what I mean is that the, the humility part is where they, they're, they're, it goes back to sort of feeling like, why would you ask me to be on the podcast? <laughs> what do I have to offer? I had one, one person who actually said to me, she goes, I, I don't know if I've asked her to come on. And she said, oh, I, I don't know. She goes, I've listened to those episodes. It sounds like none of your guests ever say um or uh, like they don't even hesitate and, or you. And, and I, I don't think I'd be that person. And I just laughed because, you know, Emily will edit out the, the worst of the ums and ahs already, right? So just to make it a smoother listening experience. Um, Oh, there. See, I just said, um, like it's very common, but I, I don't think we need to, to kind of worry about that, <laughs> you know, being, being out there and, and just trusting like, you know, when, when all of these wonderful, talented talent people, as I call them are on the job, they're, they're doing what has to get done, right? They're, they're leading with humility and curiosity. And so it's the same thing. Just trust that what you do will translate when you come into a conversation with, with, with me. Because mm-hmm. you understand it's, mu- it's, it's, it's mutual in the sense. It's not someone who's completely you know, foreign to it. Right. They're going to be confused. They're going to be like, well, what's this, this, this? And you feel intimidated. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And yeah. It's kind of neat when somebody kind of, you know, understands it. Some of the challenges, some of the opportunities as well. So, yeah, for sure. Awesome. So, what would you say are your, you know, what 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 would the, what's the future of this podcast? What are your plans? Well, <laughs> well, it's good question because I've just really started to dig into my my overall goals for 2023. So definitely it's to keep going, keep going on a weekly basis. And I'm also exploring different types of guests because I've really focused because the audience is widely those corporate talent leaders I've talked about. They've also been the people that I've invited on. And I've made a couple of exceptions where I've had more consultants like me, but in different areas. And where I thought it made sense. And and I'm I'm happy with those choices. I think I may expand to do a little more of that where I feel like it's, you know, it's a curated decision where I'm I'm inviting someone on who I really believe is going to add value to the audience versus sell them something. I mean, if they do end up getting business, great. But I do I do think I'll start to to balance that out with along with the corporate talent leaders and their experiences. So I'm still playing with that in my mind. What else? Well, I record almost all of the interviews, video and audio, but I haven't leveraged the video for a bunch of different reasons. The plan is to have a YouTube channel and Colleen, my assistant's researching that right now about what what will it take to have, even if it's like excerpts from these interviews. Yeah, little clips. Yeah, to give people a taste of the highlights and so on. So I'm looking into that because some people do, I mean, you love consuming content through video, right? Oh, yeah. Well, so oh, listen to yeah. Part- Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I do want to honor that people like to get their content in different ways. So that may be helpful. As far as YouTube goes, I've heard shorts is useful. It's like little clips of little of videos, a bit of editing and people just like scroll right through it. Yeah. So it's kind of like a highlight. Format. 
Real? Yeah. So I, I want to yes. look into that a little bit. I don't think it's too, too hard to do. So, you know, that's, that's a good idea. Maybe you can show me some examples after this. The, the other, the other idea too is, is to do more panel interviews. So do you know what I mean by panel? Not quite. Well, it's where I have more than one guest. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah. So for instance, coming up actually in September, I've got five of the members from the Talent Trust, my peer coaching program that I run for talent leaders, five of them, everybody agreed to come on. Not all of them could make it, but five members came and recorded a panel interview with me about their experience in the trust, which makes me so grateful and so proud. And so we recorded that and it's going to be split into two different episodes. Actually, by the time this one airs, that will have aired in September. And it it was just really interesting hearing live people's experiences, writing and getting that kind of feedback. It was a bit brave, I think, because I wasn't sure what they were going to say about the program. But they loved it. So that that's a good thing. So I do think maybe doing another panel down the road, it might be around a particular topic like employee value proposition and learning paths. And there's there's a lot of sort of hot topics now where I find talent leaders are, are charged with these things. So it could really resonate if I get a few people that are at different points in their experience with with creating programs around those things. So yeah, that's that's a thought I had. Interesting. I'm just trying to think more of like sort of like expanding the the brand a little bit like you said like with smaller forms of media content so maybe shorts possibly or just maybe a full-on youtube channel where like i don't know you could release maybe vods of you know the podcast and you could, that could be like oh, repost your videos Is that video on demand not quite no it's a term i heard before it was oh we're certain streamers because streamers they do most of their streaming on either twitch or youtube depending where their platform is okay and they have a youtube channel usually for you know vods they release the full stream the full recorded stream because they're recording actively as as they're going they have a live stream going but they're also recording it okay. and they upload that file to youtube and people can go back and watch it i've done that before it's very entertaining okay and that could be i don't know it's it's less towards the podcast but you could do i don't know like a like a video sort of interaction type of the podcast and then it could be yeah, I agree. People. I think there's there's a lot of possibility there, right? And especially I liked your idea about having sort of snippets of the sort of key parts of the conversation so that, you know, if it's key learnings or, or takeaways to highlight those, it's almost becomes like another way to support talent leaders that they can go in there and get little sparks of inspiration all in one place. Sort of, you know, a little menu of, you know, something on, like we've talked about succession planning one of my favorite, favorite episodes, Melissa Law is a, a colleague of mine and, and she's come on the podcast three times. She was the first guest actually. And she was, she had just left one role and she was working more independently as a coach at the time. Now she's back as a VP of talent in another organization. But anyway, she's been on three times and we got the giggles. I think it was in the third episode. It was so funny because we both kind of speak the same language and we like to geek out about all things talent management. So that was really fun. And But she and I did one episode just on succession planning. So I could take sort of a key takeaway from that and highlight it on the YouTube channel. Maybe that might be kind of fun. So Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Also just, I, I'm sort of still thinking about the the youtube idea what do you do have like a video edition of like the podcast so you have you know yourself and your guests and you guys are just sort of talking and just like a border idea right i don't know like I, i've seen some of them before the, the the types of ways i've seen people do this when they release like a video podcast if they record it with a camera is essentially they have like a like a nice colored border around the person's camera and the guest and they have like either a logo in the middle splitting it so it could be like a green apple or something or usually if they don't want to show their face, what I've seen these other creators do is they have like little 
almost illustrations of themselves, like an animated illustration of them, and like yeah. like a little circle with like a like, you know like the Ido file just sort of going away. It's yeah. kind of interesting. You can yeah, make it look kind of contents. stylish, a little bit stylish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Like no, personal, those are great, great tips, Patrick. Yeah. Like a personal art style. I know. It's yeah, something I've seen art. repeated in a lot of different creators, and it's sort of it adds something unique to their brand. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. If you're you gonna plan to be a creator, research that a little bit so we can sort of see sure. what the right look and feel. Awesome. Yeah. Because if you're gonna be a creator, then you can go with that. Yeah. Find I it, love. Your I, will be, I will be a YouTube creator as well as a podcaster. Maybe. <laughs> you could do that. Yeah. So so maybe tell the audience a little bit. We I should have started with this actually. Tell the listeners just briefly before we wrap up a little bit about about you and and what you're you're thinking your path might be. Well. I don't know. It's it's hard to say because my school made us decide in grade 10 at 15 years old, which is idiotic unless you're, you know, unless you've already had a path in place and you had an idea where you're going to take that. Like, for instance, one of our friends, she decided she's going to be a doctor. She just got accepted into Queens recently and she's wanted to be, was it a brain surgeon since she was like seven or nine years old? She was always on it. It was incredible. But she's always known that. But then you have, you know, certain other people where it's kind of like they decide it's like, oh, well, maybe I want to be a app designer. And then they go to university, learn about it. It's like, oh, well, I don't like this. This is not a fun program. They go into marketing. They're like, oh, well, maybe I don't like this. And they just keep hopping from degree to from degree. And then, you know, maybe they find a happy medium. They end up in a job they like or they just get wrapped up in a corporate job and they don't enjoy it at all. Mm-hmm. So for myself, it. it I'm sort of kind of like the person who keeps darting around. I'm, I'm I'm very indecisive. I can't figure out where I really want to be. I don't know. I'm, I'm having a look at maybe a Bachelor of Arts program for community patients because that opens up a lot of, you know, what I'm, what I'm relatively good at, which is people interactions. I wouldn't say I'm terrible at that. Marketing could be Not a fun all. pursuit. I find that yeah. to be interesting. Well, you also had a conversation with that that person at that network event about human resources. Yes, that's right. She was very interesting. Yeah, she told me a lot of what she does, and I really liked it actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was like not yeah, all like corporate jobs are terrible. <laughs> Serve me well I know, for a really long it, time. <laughs> yeah, but then if someone who's just juggling around, they're indecisive. They yeah. eventually don't decide. Like, okay, screw it. I'm taking the corporate route. Then maybe it's not what they want to do, and they're miserable. That's sort of where I was coming from. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, you've got you've got a good plan in place with the courses you've chosen for grade 11 this year and grade 12. And and then from there, you know, going with more of a general Bachelor of Arts that that really leverages your communication strength. And then you get get time to choose. Be a kid still. There's no rush, honestly. Yeah. Luckily, a very smart friend of mine, he also informed me that, you know, needlessly restricting myself to one unique subject it's not the most smart thing to do. You want to at least branch out of it in case you do change your mind. So yeah. for him, I'm pretty sure his his choices are pretty similar all across the board. But I think he's also isolating more tech related pro- like more tech related programs. Since ideally he wants to be in software designer, he, he's going to work with computers. That's that, that's what he has in mind. He's going to be a programmer, something within that field, program related. So and for myself sort of branching out, meaning I'll take, I'll be taking psychology. Unlikely I'll get a doctor's degree, a doctorate. I don't want that. Instead, well, I'll probably, what I'm sort of geared more towards is either a communications degree or maybe because I'm also taking media arts, I could find something in that because that opens up to filming, opens up to podcasting, uh, animation, and just a ton of, it's very, it's more modernized 
it's a very modernized kind of field because everything's yeah. going virtual, everything's going digital. And it'd be smart to, it, it, I'd be an in-demand person if I was standard on how to do all that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that could be a very interesting course because I took tech, I liked the first bit of it, and then we did programming and I was like, okay, I don't like this. Maybe I should switch it up a bit because I kept relying on my buddy. I'm pretty sure he wrote half the code for my grade. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, there's so much potential in this sort of communications arena. And, you know, lots lots of the listeners are probably nodding their heads right now going, oh, yeah, because it's it's a key. You know what? Communications runs across all, all disciplines, all roles in any organization, right? You know, the ability to to make yourself understood to seek to understand others, to be able to navigate, you know, difficult conversations, tricky conversations. And, you know, it, that lends itself to, to leadership and, and to having a better experience no matter where you end up. Right. So mm-hmm. I think, I think you're on a good, good path for sure. So something, I'm very proud of you. Something else just also kind of notes in terms of like, not even the indecisiveness, but just trying things out is sort of with, with you and dad, actually for him, he had a ton of jobs growing up. He, he, it was mostly working with his hands, but he worked as a locksmith. He did lawn, he acquired all these different skills and just, he was trying things out to see what was yeah, experiment. his own rhythm. He was, he was doing all that. As for you, you did teaching, did that for a couple of years. Like, all right, I, maybe I don't like this. I love the kids, but I don't, love this profession. I, I'm going to go to corporate. Did that for a couple of years. You met dad. You're like, okay. And you both sort of went away from that. You went on, you started this business. You're much happier. I've never seen you happier. And then for dad, he went over to the home inspecting route, found it to be kind of interesting because you get to, you you do get a bit of a personal connection with clients, but then you oh, also, yeah. he also gets to work with his hands. He gets to also work with homes, which is what sort of, I think, led to his gravitation into a handyman because he added that as a secondary service and it just exploded sort yeah. of in the after COVID era. And he just exploded with business. He was like, okay, I love all this, all the skills, all the things I've done before, it all, apply, it all applies to this. Yeah. Gardening, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seemed to do a gardening job, but <laughs> everything else in terms of like flooring fixing, doors, locks, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, and exactly, but it's sort of all of his trying out. Maybe it, it, it maybe it wasn't indecisiveness, but even if it's just trying things out, it sort of leads to the one thing that makes you happy, that puts you on the career path that you're you're meant to be on. And I'm hoping that through the through the next two years of schooling, I can find my own groove just by trying different things. Like I t- I tried working in a corporate environment. I enjoyed it. People they were fantastic. They were lovely. Yeah, you had a good experience this summer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a scanning job, but it was done on a different level that gave me a better, a bigger challenge. And just the people, when everyone, everyone there was so eager to help me. Like I remember my one, my, the one guy I befriended there, he showed me how to do things more efficiently. He, he showed me a little trick with file manager, how to just keep everything at a steady rhythm. And it made it more fun for me. It didn't make it as dreadful since I was going up and back and forth and it was just taking too long, but he showed me how to get into a good groove. And by the time I was going all over the place and doing so much scanning all at once, I actually enjoyed it a bit. It was yeah. tiring because I was working yeah. for eight hours a good eight hours a day, well, but I enjoyed it. So a few themes there, you know, like, you know, you being very sort of curious and interested, like what's this experience all about? You know, it's kind of the hallmarks that I was talking about for talent leaders, that curiosity, being open to learning, open to not knowing. Yet what you're supposed to do, I think that served you well in that particular instance. And also when you're going out to work with your dad on different jobs at different houses. Yeah. Um, like physical. That's, yeah. that, that, that's an equally fun area. Well, you know, I, I like it. 
you know what comes up all the time in the talent trust and when I'm doing thought partner work one-on-one with with talent leaders it's you know this idea I feel like a broken record I probably said it on several podcast episodes but this idea of embrace the iteration and experiment you know you don't have to get things perfect and I grew up I'm a recovering perfectionist so I you know if you try to be perfect you're never going to put anything out in the world so you know with with programs in organizations or with figuring out your career path you know, give yourself a little space and grace to experiment and try things on for size and then, and then take time to reflect, well, what, what worked about that? What didn't? And now what, what does that mean for what my choices will be going forward? And Hmm. I I just think that's a healthy way to be. I agree. I I agree completely. (laughs) Yeah. Cause if you're striving to be perfect and you get nothing out, you'll never be happy with what you produce, even if it is flawless it'll never be up to the standards you think right. it's go it's supposed to be and mm-hmm. you'll be stuck doing nothing your entire life because you can't decide you just can't yeah. decide at all this is a bit of a weird throwback but back to like the indecisiveness of choosing a program people are so some certain certain individuals are so hell-bent on driving towards one profession but then when when it, when it doesn't work out for them they they sort of think it's a reflection on themselves and their own abilities, even if what they did is flawless, but it just wasn't. They're just meant to take a small sidestep and move. That's very insightful, Patrick, because when I left teaching, I, yeah, I felt very ashamed and guilty about it for, for a long time. And yet it was the best thing I could have done. So I, it's very wise that you, that you see that. Acknowledging that, I think, is also yeah. part of what drove you back onto a proper career course is acknowledging this is not for me. It's not my fault. I am a Per, I'm, I'm good at this, but it's just not for me. I need to shift my gears and move towards something more on my speed, something different that enhances my abilities a bit. And yeah, I think I think just well, observing your journey through the different career paths, it sort of puts you on this one and you finally mm-hmm. have found yeah. your rhythm. You haven't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Evolved into this. Yep. Well, thank, thank you so much for coming on to to be the host today, really be the <laughs> interviewer. I really appreciate it. My minor podcast experience has helped. There you go. So now, now you've got one podcast episode under under your belt already. Yep. Excellent. Thank Feels you good. very much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Of course. Glad to, I'm always happy to help. All I enjoy right. this. It was fun. Good. Thanks All again. Right. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your colleagues. Better yet, head over to iTunes and let us know. When you subscribe and leave me a five-star review, not only do I glow from within, but more people will learn about the show and why they should listen. Until next time, keep telling the talent management truth.